Hello, hello, everybody. It's Megan and Julie. We are back with you today for episode number two of our return and episode number 183. We have Moana today and we cannot wait to get into her story. A little funny thing. I'm totally going to um, admit what just happened. <laughs> we, we, were, we went through everything and we were getting into the story and guess what? We forgot to push record. So darn it, we are, My bad. Uh, we, are re- <laughs> we are restarting, but that's okay. We are excited. We have Moana with you today. She is from Hawaii and she is one amazing mama. You guys should have 72 hour labor. Just going to say that like how stinking amazing. Um, but she is a military wife. She's in the reserve. They um, have two kiddos. They love being in the sun and surfing and living the life up in Hawaii. And we can't wait to hear her stories um, in just a second. And then we're going to hurry and turn over the time to Julie, because as usual, we're going to have that review of the week. Um, we really love your reviews. And now that we're kicking the podcast off again, we're going to need some more. So feel free to drop us a review on Google or send us a review, whatever it may be. We would love, love, love to read your review on the podcast. All right, Julie. Oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. I cannot believe I'm going to have to put a sticky note in the middle of the computer again and be like, push record so I don't forget. <laughs> um, second of all, Megan, you say Hawaii, like Hawaii. <laughs> She's from Hawaii. 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 I don't oh, say Hawaii. Sorry. I know. I don't say Hawaii. it correctly. I, I... <laughs> it's funny. Okay. Oh my gosh. We have got to, I need to stop talking. So we just read this review and then we can um, have Moana start her story again. Oh my gosh. So, so sorry. All right. Okay. So this review is from HNP1213 on Apple Podcasts. And she says, so thankful. As I prepare for my HBAC this uh this coming September, this podcast has helped me heal so much from my previous C-section. I've laughed, I've cried, and I've celebrated with so many of their stories. Thank you for creating an uplifting and empowering podcast for those of us looking for our redemption birth. Now, thank you, HMP1213, and thank you, Megan and Moana, for being patient with me while, I, while we have to restart this over. All right. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Okay, Moana, we want to dive back in to your story because it's it's a great one. All right, so my husband and I got married in 2016, and I was 22 and he was 23, and we waited about three years to have a baby. And I didn't realize I was pregnant um, for a while. I was just kind of feeling sick at work. And uh, this guy actually told me, hey, I think you're pregnant. I was like, no, no, there's no way. (laughs) So I went and took a test. And sure enough, two lines came up right away. (laughs) And it was super dark. I'm like, oh, wow, like (laughs) must not be early. So I uh, scheduled an appointment with my provider. And uh, sure enough, I was eight weeks along already. And so that was pretty exciting. And my husband actually wasn't even home at the time. I had to uh, video call him. He was in the Middle East. 
And I was like, hey, are you ready to be a dad? And he's like, yeah, I guess, you know. I'm like, no, I mean, right now. <laughs> and they showed him my test, and he was like, what? <laughs> yeah. no, no, I mean, right now. <laughs> that is awesome. No, I mean, like, you are, you're going to be a dad. So let me rephrase that. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, he was super excited and, um, yeah, I just I was chugging along, like had to keep going to work and I was super sick, like peaking all the time, day and night. And I was like, oh, oh I guess I know the baby's okay because <laughs> my hormones are strong. And yeah, like first and second trimester. And then finally, the third trimester, I just started to feel better. But then I just started to feel big. So <laughs> kind of one traded off for the other. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, and made it all the way to 40 weeks. And my provider was like, Hey, I want to do an induction today. And I was like, No, I don't think I want to do that. And she was pretty pushy about it. And I told her, Hey, you know, the, the baby's fine. And, you know, it's just an estimated due date, you know, maybe you didn't even get it right. And she, she wasn't too happy about that. So she said she was going to schedule an induction for 41 weeks. And I told her, Okay, but I'm probably not going to go to the hospital and do that that day either. <laughs> So 41 weeks came and yeah, I told her, no, uh, I really don't want to induce. She wasn't too happy about it, but I just went home anyway. And about three days later, I finally went into labor and I went to work that day. I just had contractions on and off. I tried to walk around a lot and I went home that night and they started getting stronger, but then they stayed about five minutes apart for a few hours. So I had called my doctor and told her, like, hey, uh, my progression doesn't feel normal. Like, what do you think? And so she told me to go in to the hospital. We got there about 11 p.m. And I was only a centimeter and a half dilated, but she said she didn't want me to leave because I was so far along in my pregnancy, uh, which I didn't really understand because I knew from most people that, like, hey, if you're not about five, six centimeters, they usually turn you away. Uh, so we just labored my husband and I together in the hospital and uh, no one really helped us out or gave us any tips or anything we had no idea what we we're doing we're just like oh you know everyone has babies like it just happens whatever <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's kind of how I approached my birth I'm like oh I don't know right. I mean people have babies every day so I'm just gonna go have a baby right <laughs> right exactly so yeah we just kind of walked around we tried to use the birth ball and um, it's a teaching hospital too so they're like oh can students come in and I was like sure I guess <laughs> I don't know if they just want to see me like you know in pain or whatever and so I kept laboring into the next day and I only got to about five centimeters and my contractions had gotten a little bit closer together but I was just really in a lot of pain and it was really getting hard for me to cope and I would come to find out later it was because he was uh, turning from sunny side up back over. And apparently that's like really painful, almost like transition type level of pain when you're going through that. But at the time I had no idea. I was just like, oh man, this is, this is getting crazy. So uh, I got an epidural and then about an hour later it failed and my baby's heart rate was just crashing every time I had a contraction like really really low and then it would come back up but they were getting really worried and then they called my doctor on the phone and uh, she's like okay I'm, I'm gonna come in like we're gonna do a c-section 
I was like, no, no, I don't want that. Like, if I, I don't need it. Uh, and I really didn't understand what was going on. They didn't really explain, like, if it was really dangerous for the baby or for me or anything like that. And so about, like, maybe 30 minutes to an hour went by. And then his crash just, or his heart rate just crashed completely. And so they just ripped us out of the room. They rushed us to the OR. Like, I had no idea what was going on. I was just looking at my husband. He was just kind of standing there because they didn't tell him to come or anything. And they were just moving super fast. And I think from the time his heart crashed to them getting him out was about 12 minutes. And it was just so shocking. Like I could feel their hands inside of me. I remember Kip asking, is my baby okay? Is my baby okay? And they wouldn't answer me and I was crying and it was just this huge mess. And I was just in so much shock. And thankfully uh, I heard him cry when they took him out and they had let my husband come in. And I remember looking at him and looking at the baby and I was like happy in my heart, but hourly I was like kind of in so much pain and shock and all this stuff that I, all I could do was just kind of moan and cry. And then I ended up passing out for a little bit. And so my husband got to help cut the rest of his cord off since they had to cut it right there at the table. And then I woke up a few hours later and I was just so upset that I didn't get to hold my baby right away and, and feed him and do all this stuff. But uh, I was so out of it still that I couldn't really speak for a while, but I was able to hold him. So they handed him to me and I didn't actually know he was a boy. Uh, we waited to find out. So uh, that was kind of a nice surprise uh, after all this <laughs> trauma oh, kind of went down. Yeah. And uh, he, he was really good. He nursed right away. And um, our postpartum was really great. I couldn't have asked for a better baby. <laughs> he was super calm and he nursed really well. And yeah, we were just so happy. Like he was finally here. And my doctor, though, she was telling me like, oh, like you guys want to leave today. You know, like you're taking up uh, room for other patients but when we had walked around the wing there was plenty of other open rooms but then I don't know why she was like really pushy to like get me out of the mm -hmm. hospital but I told her I was like oh, I don't feel that ready I'm still in a lot of pain I can barely walk and she's like well why don't you just take the narcotics and I told her no I don't want to do that I'll, I'll take the Tylenol and Motrin but I really don't want to take anything stronger because of the way I reacted to the anesthesia so I told her, like, hey, you know, just give us another day. And so actually the baby's pediatrician um, wrote up something on his chart so that we kind of had a reason to stay one more day because, uh, yeah, my doctor was just really pushy and uh, she kind of made us feel bad. She's like, oh, are you like, are you scared to go home or something like that? And that kind of made my husband <laughs> really mad too. And we're like, no, I'm just not physically recovered enough yet because it, yeah it was pretty violent I you know when they had to pull him out because he had already um descended a bit so they actually had to like kind of pull him back out first and then get him up and out so yeah but anyway so that was our first birth and like I said uh, thankfully postpartum was really great but I knew like I'd never ever wanted to have a c-section again after that so I was like, okay, I'm going to get informed this time. I'm going to read all this stuff. And I found your guys' podcast, and it was really awesome listening to everyone's birth stories. And 
um, just really getting educated on your options and your body and all this stuff. So I actually hired a midwife uh, to go over my chart with me because I needed closure on my first birth because I really still didn't understand like what happened and why I had to have a C-section. And so she um, went over everything with me and she actually told me, hey, you had a placental abruption. And my doctor never even talked to me about that or said that that had happened. I always thought I did something wrong and that was why it happened. Um, but she said, oh no, you know, you can't really prevent these or predict it. And like you were hemorrhaging. And so, you know, the, the crash C-section had to happen. So that kind of gave me a lot of closure on that. And she said, you know, you're a really good candidate for a VBAC. So that just made me super excited. And yeah, I just was like, okay, I want to do this. And I ended up getting pregnant again at 14 months postpartum, uh, which is great because I kind of knew right away and I was so excited. Like, hey, I'm going to really get prepared for my VBAC this time. And <laughs> so I was kind of sick again for the first two trimesters. But then the third trimester, I felt really good and I was working out all the time and I hired a doula um, from Best Birth Hawaii and uh, she was really great. She just gave me so much comfort and extra knowledge and, you know, it was just so nice to feel like I had someone on my side who could speak up for me and I also had um, changed providers at this time too and he had done hundreds of VBACs before so I just went into this birth like super confident and I just knew like, hey, I'm going to do this and I know I can do it. And so I went into labor, I think at 39 weeks and three days. And I was super excited for that, too, because I was like, man, I really don't want to go past 40 weeks. Like, I hope this baby can come early. So, yeah, it was a Wednesday and I started early labor and it was kind of slow at first. So I just kind of try to take the time to relax and maybe get a nap in and it really became hard to sleep that night though and so I just kept trying to do what I could walking around and kept moving and resting Thursday then Friday my doula finally came to the house and uh, she helped me through a lot of active labor and about like 3 p.m. that Friday, we were like, okay, I think it's time to go to the hospital. So we were super excited, my husband and I, and we made it to the hospital. We labored some more, but eventually I was like in just so much pain and I hadn't slept. So I just needed to get some rest. So I thought, okay, like let's try an epidural. I got it. And then it was really weird. I felt like a click in my back and I got really scared that they did something wrong because my leg kind of twitched too and it didn't really work like it took the edge off but I, I could still move and they're like oh what happened and I was like oh I'm not really sure but I finally got a nap in but then I, I kept moving around and I'm like oh I think it failed and then all the pain came back and labored a few more hours like that and then um, we tried a second one now it was about I think eight centimeters uh, dilated and then that one only worked for like an hour and it failed too and I, we were pressing the button I'm like I don't know why it's not working <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so that was pretty crazy uh, I was really confused and like it just so tired and I'm like man like I'm so jealous of 
women who have like, you know, two hour labors or even eight hour labors, <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm like, oh, and my doula's like, don't think about that. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm getting my natural delivery that I wanted because like in my heart, I was like, man, I just, I want to be able to do it without interventions and without pain relief. So I guess that ended up kind of happening at the end. <laughs> so I um, started having them help me move around a little bit, like lay on my side with the peanut ball. And then I got the squat bar and we we're just doing all the things that we could um, with the limitations from um, having the epidural, even though it wasn't working anymore. And then by the time it came to push, I was like, man, I'm in so much pain. Like, I'm just going to get this baby out in like less than seven minutes of pushing. And uh, he came out and again, we didn't uh, know it was a boy actually. So that was another um, nice surprise. And, so I just like push, push, push as hard as I could and got him out. And like, I just felt so much relief and excitement. I was just bawling, like crying so hard. And my husband's like, it's a boy, it's a boy. And I was reaching down to grab him up and uh, he made a few little cries and nursed right away with, and we had the skin to skin contact and it was just so like redeeming and beautiful. And like, oh, I just want to cry thinking about it, but yeah, I was just so amazed that I was able to do it. And like I, now I know that my body could do it. And yeah, I just, <laughs> I couldn't believe that it actually happened. And so now I'm about 11 months postpartum and still breastfeeding. And actually my first baby never stopped breastfeeding. <laughs> so I'm trying to wean him right now because he's almost three. And I plan to wean the second one by no later than two years old. Um, but we are hoping to have more kids. So I'm just excited to be able to hopefully have another be back and just continue our journey and keep, you know, being informed and telling other people too, like my friends who are having babies now and stuff like, you know, you can do it. You don't have to be afraid or anything. And like, there's so much information out there. And I think even the medical world is changing too. Like VBACs are becoming more, I guess, like, okay. <laughs> They're not um, turning away from it. More people are saying now like, hey, this is good. It, it's less risk for the mom in most cases. So that's just our crazy <laughs> traumatic stories followed by a long, long labor and Thankfully, yeah, we ended with a successful VBAC. Yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh, such a great story. I love how patient you were not finding out the gender of your babies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, how, um, I tried. I tried. Or I guess I didn't really try at all. I am a sucker and I'm impatient. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm not very good at waiting to know, but I wanted to wait for my last, but I could not hold out. I, I didn't even make it to 20 weeks before I had to run and get a gender scan, let's be honest. Um, but yeah. I think that's so, so fun. Um, I want to talk a little bit about epidurals and why I think sometimes it's really easy to, for people to think, especially when you're going in and planning for a VBAC and you want to do everything you can in order to set yourself up for success and 
everybody's telling you, oh my gosh, hire a doula, um, have an unmedicated birth, make sure you don't go to the hospital until you're pushing, make sure you don't get induced, make sure you don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, right? There's so many things telling you what not to do. And it's really important to remember that nothing is inherently good or inherently bad. All interventions have an appropriate time and place. And even, even having no interventions can turn out to not be a good thing. And so I want to talk a little about, about epidurals. I think, oh my gosh, I don't even know how long ago, but it was a while ago in our Facebook group. I did a, I did a video or a Facebook live in our Facebook group about, I call it a, this is army knife of birth. Maybe you can go on our Facebook group. It's called the VBAC link community and you could do a, a search for it. Um, I think it's maybe just search for the Swiss army knife of birth or something like that. Coping tools for labor. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes. I'll probably going to have to link it in the show notes now that I've been talking about it. But um, it talks about having a little toolkit of just a bunch of different random things that you might need to have available for you when you're in labor. And the epidural might be one of the things you want to have available for you in your toolkit for coping through the discomforts of labor. And it's neither inherently good nor inherently bad. So being able to have something available for you to make a decision like the acronym brain. So using the benefits, the risks, alternatives, your intuition, and what happens if you do nothing to go through um, at the time. Hey, can you help me clean up your room? Sorry, guys. Sorry, Megan, sorry. you are not on sorry, mute. Sorry. No, I'm not. I didn't know. I was like, hey, clean up your room. I'm even whispering. Okay, sorry. <laughs> mute yourself, girl. <laughs> I'm muted. Well, now I am. No, you're not. Now you are. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, what was I saying? <laughs> so epidural has risks and benefits like every other coping tool in labor. So benefits of epidural, like, oh, I'm sure Megan's seen same as me. Like sometimes we've seen epidurals relax a mom enough to where she progresses and is able to dilate further and push her baby out relatively quickly. Sometimes not quickly, but sometimes it takes a little while longer, but it's exactly what the laboring person needs in order for the body to progress further. Because let's be honest, if you've been laboring for a really long time, your body's completely exhausted. It's not going to labor effectively. However, well, and there- something else too, as I mentioned, Julie, sorry to cut yeah. you off is no, go ahead. not only physically, sometimes it's the emotional, like sometimes when we get an epidural, it's so our, our mind can emotionally be present because sometimes when we're laboring, especially for long times, it's like, I don't know how much longer I can do of this. If this is hard now, is it going to get hard? Like our minds like keep going like future and things like that. And it's so great to, to get that epidural sometimes and just like let your mind shut off and be present. And then your body can just do its job. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a very good point. I've seen that before as well um, myself. So we've also seen epidurals really kind of limit how much if uh, parents able to move while they're in labor and also how much sometimes hospital staff is willing to be able to let the parent move. Sometimes it can change the entire mood of the room in that point. Also, I've seen it affect the mind 
kind of negatively. If a parent is really, really set on having an unmedicated birth without an epidural, it can kind of give them the feeling of, oh no, I gave up. I, Mm -hmm. I didn't achieve this goal that I had in mind. And so being able to go into birth instead of with a specific, a specific set of things you want to accomplish, but have it be a little more fluid and flexible and being willing to adjust your goals as necessary, I think is really important as well, because one little thing that might not go to your expectations has the possibility to shift your entire mindset and mood. And that is so important to be able to keep your hormone balanced and everything go well as well. So I don't know, Megan, what would you add about epidurals? I just, I feel like there's so much shame in epidural. Mm-hmm. And also like, oh, if I get an epidural, I'm, I'm giving up, I'm failing, blah, blah. You know, there's just mm-hmm. so much. And I just, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think that epidurals have a bad rap. And yes, like, are there some serious pros to going unmedicated? Yeah, there are. There's some great pros. Like, but there's also some serious pros of having an epidural and enjoying the experience and getting the rest and also letting your body progress the way it may not be able to at that moment unmedicated. So I hope that if you are preparing for a VBAC or for birth in general, try not to put so much um, negative, pressure. negative pressure. Yeah. Mm. And when it comes to an epidural, because it is okay, it is okay to have an epidural. And like we said, like, it can be the magic tool in our toolbox. We have lots of tools in our toolbox, whether we use them or not, it, you know, they're there. And it's okay to use them. So, I mean, there's never been a time where I've had to, I've tried to use a screwdriver when I need an Allen wrench on my bike, (laughs) right? Like I need to raise my seat up and I need an Allen wrench. I don't need a screwdriver. Like there are different tools for different situations. And for birth, an epidural is a great tool that is in the toolbox and it's okay to use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And of course we have a blog all about natural birth and epidural and comparing both of those things. And like Moana said, her epidural, I had a hard time getting it to work. And that is one of the risks that can come along with an epidural. Sometimes it doesn't work um, all the way or right off the bat. You might need to have some um, anesthesiologists come in and make some adjustments. So you need to be careful with that. But let me tell you, Megan and I, um, when I first started, I was a doula. I was kind of like really gung ho, 100%, like unmedicated birth all the way. That's the only way to do this. But man, life has a way of teaching you lessons. And every once in a while, I'll have a client look at me in the eyes and be like, Oh, I, 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 I think I need an epidural. I feel, Oh my gosh. Like they almost like they need, like they feel like they need permission to, to get one. Does that make sense? Like Megan, do you know what I'm talking about? Totally. Yes, it does. Like, like, like they're letting me down if they get one. I don't know. Like, yeah. There was actually one birth that I was at and I, the epidural came into my mind. Like it kind of went from like, but you don't also, you also don't want to be the first one to bring it up either. Right. I don't, but I did. I don't, but I did. It was, it it was suffering. It it went to suffering. Like she was, she was suffering. And, and one of the biggest things she said when we talked about her goals was to have a positive experience. And when you are, past that point, you're not going to have a positive experience. You're just, you're not. And yeah. so and it could lead to so more Im- birth trauma. I, and that could totally, introduce that. Totally. 
And so, yeah, so I just said, hey, like, why don't we talk about some options right now? And we went over it. And I did say up here, and she said, I've been wanting someone to say that for the last four hours. And I was Aww. like, really? she said, I didn't feel I could. I didn't feel I could. And she said, and the fact that you just said that makes me think, okay, it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's totally okay. You know, it's totally okay. But she didn't feel that that was okay because her goal was to not, mm-hmm. it was to not, but it's, it's okay. It's like, okay it, to change plans. It's, it's okay. okay to change plans. It's okay to adapt. And I mean, and it's okay to like, just go into weird birth wanting an epidural from the start. It is okay to yes. do that too. Yeah. So I love Moana's story. And I, I, yeah, I just, I can't say enough about, Hey, like it's okay. Don't, don't let it get you down. If you want to, if you get an epidural. And you but it's one. also okay to want a complete unmedicated birth. And it's also okay to have one because I mean, both Megan and I have had unmedicated VBACs, but we've also seen the beauty in all types of birth stories, no matter how they unfold and no matter what the outcome is. So we support you yeah. no matter how you want to birth. Yeah. Oh, Moana, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to kind of tell my story and thanks for all you guys do. I mean, if I didn't find this podcast, I don't know if I would have been as confident going in and like you guys said, like knowing that it's okay to want an epidural, because I really did feel like that during my first birth, like my even my husband kind of made me feel guilty about it. And um, some of our family and I just yeah, I really felt like I, I failed at that point. And just oh. knowing that it was okay going into my second birth, I'm like, okay, if it if it gets to that point, like, I'm not going to feel bad about it, I'm just going to do it. And that just took, you know, one element of stress away from the birthing process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Moana, we, you know, we can't let you leave without us asking you one question. What is your best tip for somebody is there preparing to birth after cesarean? I would say definitely get educated and hire a doula if you can, because she just instilled so much confidence in me. And even though, you know, maybe I didn't need her there or maybe I did like, just emotionally for me, it was so necessary. You know, um, I just told her like right afterwards when I had my second one that, you know, I could not have done this without you. Like you Mm -hmm. just, you know, gave me something that I would have never been able to do myself, especially because of my trauma from the first birth. Like, even though I had kind of coped with it, I still just didn't have the confidence that I had when she was there with me. I love that. Yeah. Get educated and hire doula. And wouldn't you know, we have opportunities for you to do both on our website, thevbacklink.com. We have a feedback preparation course that is designed to help you gain the full confidence that you need in order to have all of the tools in your toolkit on your birthing day. And we also have a directory of VBAC doulas that we have educated on all the things you, that you never knew to, never knew to, never knew you need. <laughs> we have a directory of VBAC doulas, fully trained, educated to perfectly support you on your birthing day. You can find our VBAC doulas at the VBAClink.com slash find doula. Everything you need, you can find right on our website, the We will see you there. 
Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at thevbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.